Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of The Law and Financial, and today we have a great guest on. Now, as many of you know, you've seen a lot of the content that we put out. Like My background is accounting and finance, but I do not particularly focus on taxation. Now, it is something that I'm aware of because it impacts all of us in so many ways, especially business owners and you know, my guest today, she really does a good job. And one of the things that she talked about is that, you know, what, tax, there should be some level of understanding that we all have about it because it's not as scary as it seems. So I'm bringing on a great guest that can talk about it and can kind of help make it a little less scary. And we're going to have a good conversation. So stay tuned for the conversation. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest, Amanda. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Now, we were talking a little bit before I hit the record button of you guys are experiencing some abnormally warm weather. Um, so how's the week been so far? Well, you know, for Saskatchewan, I'm in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. It's abnormally warm. For everywhere else in the world, it's probably a little chilly. I don't know. We're... The week's been going good. It's uh, it's nice to have the sun shining, and I always enjoy the summer in our city. It's a great time to be in our city. Awesome, awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, is that where you're originally from, or did you move there? So my parents were actually born and raised in Prince Edward Island in Canada, and then they moved to Ontario at some point for my dad to go to school, and that's where I was born. And we moved out to Saskatoon about 35 years ago. So for most of my life, I've lived out here and, and it's my home. It's not necessarily where any of our family is, but it's where our friends are. And I think sometimes friends can become an extension of your family. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, you know, one of the things that, you know, I was, it caught my attention is, you know, the tax chick blog and your interest in taxation, which I am very interested to talk more about that. But before we do, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I am a tax lawyer. I am a partner in a mid-sized law firm here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And when I say I'm a tax lawyer, um, what my practice involves is, is sort of two things. One of the things I do is tax controversy work. So I often assist business owners in particular with audits with Canada Revenue Agency, as well as appeal work all the way to the Tax Court of Canada. And I do some consulting work with CPAs on that as well that might need some assistance um, for their clients. And then the other big piece of my work is like a succession planning piece. So working with business owners who are transitioning their wealth to the next generation or making some sort of major changes in the way that they want to operate their business. Those are the two pieces of, of my day-to-day -day practice. And then I have the blog and the podcast and all this other fun stuff that I do, which I think really plays into my, my day life as a lawyer. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, what was it about, you know, tax litigation, tax law? What was it that really interests you about that? Well, nothing initially. Um, <laughs> I had no interest in, in being in tax. So my background, um, I've always been really bad at math. I'm still really bad at math. 
I my mom was a bookkeeper and so I grew up um, balancing checkbooks and like reconciling checks that was like fun for us uh, in the house and I just hated it I hated every piece of it and so when I went to university I was studying to be a neuropsychologist that was what I wanted to do I wanted to study the brain and in particular focusing on autism research and, and sleep issues in autistic uh, children and I, I had these sort of experiences throughout my high school and throughout my university education that were kind of pushing me in a different direction. And I'm, I'm a bit scrappy by nature. I think that's, that's one of the things that's necessary to be in tax controversy. And I've been working for the government for some time. I've been working for um, the Children's Advocate Office, which is a group here in our province that assists kids who are in care or custody. And leading a bit of a, I don't know, revolution, whatever you want to call it, um, against the provincial government and some of the policies and legislation that they had put in place that was just not fair. And it got me very fired up about human rights issues and access to justice and all of those things. And so I wrote the LSAT. I did okay. Um, and applied to law school and ended up getting in and then fell in love with it. Really loved law school. It was my favorite three years of school. But I took family law courses and civil litigation courses and human rights courses, and that's what I wanted to do. And I came and worked here at the firm, um, and I was doing litigation work and not really liking it in practice. It wasn't really feeding my soul. And one day, one of our partners came down the hall, and he said, I need some help on a tax litigation file. Do you want to try? And I said, I'm really bad at math. Is that okay? And he said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And thus began my journey in tax. Um, I, if he had not asked me, I would never be where I am. I guess if I had not said yes, I would not be where I am. But I found that tax litigation really, I don't know, it, it piqued something within me because there's, a, there's an access to justice piece and there's a human rights piece when you're dealing with tax controversy work. You have the big guy, the government, against the little guy, the taxpayer. And the code for the United States or our Income Tax Act in Canada is complex. It is long. Um, it is wordy. It is confusing. And so you, you often have people who just can't get through the system. And so I decided I want to help people get through the system and not only help them on the back end, but maybe try to help them on the front end to get their systems in place, very similar to a lot of the work that you're doing, to try to help people get their books in order and, and help them plan a bit so that they don't have to be so panicked on the back end. And, and thus began my, my tax career. Awesome. I, I love it. I love it. You know, it's very interesting just to hear, you know, how people kind of navigate it from the idea of a career or maybe something completely different. And then to find out where they are. And like I said, you know, you probably didn't realize tax would be so fulfilling. Not at all. Now, and it's been a really wonderful career. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. So now one of the things that I'm also curious about, because I'm a huge fan of, you know, creating content and leveraging and using content. So, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the blog and or which one came first, the blog or the podcast? Like the chicken or the egg, right? Um, the, the blog was the egg, I guess it came first. Um, and the podcast was the chicken. I had initially planned to do a podcast a couple of years prior. I had all the equipment sitting in my basement, but it wasn't going to be a tax podcast. I was going to do a podcast on just general life stuff. Um, I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but I did. And then um, I'll go a little woo-woo for a moment. I, I went to this uh, vegan retreat um, in the summer of 2019 and saw an energy coach. 
And she told me that I was going to establish this board of directors and I was going to be providing guidance and assistance to people. And so I took this very literally and I'm like, oh, I need to establish a board of directors and help with tax issues. And then I kind of took a step back and thought, well, wait a minute, what if it's a podcast? And what if I just have different guests on the podcast with some recurring guests and we're providing this foundational source of support for business owners? And that's kind of where the idea came from. And I was a bit too scared to pull the trigger because I, I just couldn't get over sort of the practical, how I was going to get the podcast recorded and then edited and then onto Apple Podcasts was just like, whoa. And so I started with a blog, which just seemed easier at the time. And also that was the beginning of the pandemic. I started it in like May of 2020. And there was so many business owners who could not afford legal advice in Canada but they couldn't keep up with the continued changes that were happening. And so I saw this sort of, I guess, hole in access to justice where there needed to be a place to put information where people had somewhere to start. And if they couldn't afford to pay hourly rates of tax lawyers, they had somewhere at least to start to find information. And often people don't trust the government site. So if I could give something that was an independent, objective site with information and practical advice, and that's kind of where it came from. Okay, awesome. I I love to hear different people's journey with content. And, you know, I'm curious, as you started to, you know, develop the podcast, you know, what was that journey like of, you know, finding other collaborators to be on? Or did you do a lot of it kind of, you know, just you talking with the mic? Never. I've never recorded an episode with just me other than my like three minutes here's what this podcast is about, which I really need to re-record because now I just know so much more about what my podcast is about um, three years in. I always wanted it to be guests because the way I kind of envisioned it was I thought, I have all these really cool conversations with people every day, with other CPAs, with other lawyers, uh, with business owners where we talk about things. And if there was a way to let people eavesdrop in those conversations, that would be cool. Uh, and so that was the idea behind the podcast. It's very raw. It's 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 edited, but like unedited. It's not scripted. We just have a conversation. And I think that's very important. It's not a technical podcast. We're very honest. We're very real. We tackle very basic subjects. And the hope is that if you're kind of driving in your car on the way home, you can turn it on and it's easy listening. And uh, it was never intended to be something that I was kind of using as a soapbox for myself because I think that would be pretty boring to listen to me talk about tax for 45 minutes an episode. And so we always have a guest on. We always have a couple of good laughs. Um, there's always laughter in our episodes. And there's a lot of vulnerability because we are very open with what we know and don't know. And I think it's important to share that with the audience. You know, I think that is that is a very good point that you bring up because even as I, you know, people ask me from time to time tax questions and I, over the years, I become more and more comfortable telling them like, hey, I don't specialize or focus on tax. Like I can give you a general framework of, you know, how tax may work or some questions you should ask. But I think, you know, for at the beginning, it was almost like I felt like, man, I can't tell people I don't know. They're going to think I'm not a good accountant. Um, but I think is that being honest and vulnerable, like it was refreshing for me. And I think it really started to other people started to even respect me more because they were like, hey, he was honest about this. And he actually pointed me in a direction where I could get the answer that I need to get. You know, I'm curious, you know, for the people who are, you know, 
the guests that are being vulnerable about about what they do and don't know kind of what's been their kind of feedback or their experience with that. It's it's been interesting because I think even I personally have been vulnerable. I mean, I'm a tax lawyer. I have a master's in tax, and people just assume that I have like the act memorized, and I don't. I mean, there's there's things people ask me, and I go, well, it's probably this, but I got to go look it up. I mean, I don't I don't have an, a, a memory like that. Um, but what I found is that with guests, if they come on the first time, they're super stressed. I don't know if you find this as well when you're interviewing people and, and they're really worried and they want to have everything just perfect. And then they come on the next time and they don't even have anything prepared. They're like, let's just have a chat. This will be great. <laughs> and I think it just kind of like it gets it out of their system. And what I've heard from people is that after they've had the chat, they've had so much positive feedback from people who've listened to the episode and said, okay, now that you said, I don't know the answer to that, that empowers me to say, I don't know the answer to that. And we focus a lot in the podcast and on my blog on issue identification, because not everybody needs to be a tax expert, but you do need to be able to know the red flags when you see them. And and that's all you need to do is if you see something and say, this is probably going to be a problem. I don't necessarily know what the problem is and I don't know how to fix it, but this is something that you need to see this other person for great. You know, how is it any different from if you have a trademark application issue? Well, you're not going to try and do that yourself. You're going to refer them out. Or if somebody gets convicted of tax evasion, you're not going to try to handle that yourself. You're going to refer them out. And so there has to be a normalizing of this idea that it's okay to not know everything about tax. There's nothing wrong with that, but you need to be open at least to learning some of the foundations so that you can get that issue identification. You know, I think that's a really good point because, you know, even from a firm standpoint, I, whether it's an accounting or law firm, I I do find that sometimes people seem to be a little hesitant to refer things out. Um, And some of them said is, you know, the concern of, well, what if we lose business by referring them somewhere else? Or like they expect us to know it all. And I'm just like, maybe in my, you know, humble opinion, I don't think they expect you to know it all. Um, but I, I'm curious as to what you have seen and kind of what you've kind of heard when it comes to that. Well, I mean, in Saskatchewan, we're predominantly a rural province. And so we often have a lot of the back and forth between the rural law firms and the urban law firms. And there's been a lot of fear that the city lawyers, the big city lawyers, and we're not a big city, but a big city lawyers are going to come in and take the, the rural uh, clients. And, and I think that's something that you have to sort of deal with, but you can only really do it by example and by action. And so what I've often said is, you know, give me a try. Just give me a try. Check in with this person and this person. They'll tell you that this is what I do. And I will often do it not so much that I come in and take over, but I believe in collaborative practice. And I think tax needs to be practiced collaboratively. And so the way I operate is I go in with the current team. And I sit there with the current advisors and everybody talks about what they know because there's stuff, there's soft issues and other issues that the the other members of the team know that I don't, that are hugely important to developing a tax plan for the client. And so we can sit down together and we can talk about what we know and we have permission from the client to share the information. And that I kind of come in like the heart surgeon or like the cardiologist and, you know, make sure everybody knows what the long-term treatment plan is and get everything fixed up. And then I walk away because you don't need a cardiologist every day of the year. You just need them when you've had a heart attack or when you when you have that event. But then at least the current team has foundational knowledge so that then if something changes, 
they know the red flag and they know when they have to bring me back in again. And that's the way I operate. And there's a lot of tax lawyers who operate that way. And so my suggestion is you just need to find those people in your jurisdiction and in your area, because those are the people that you don't have to worry about losing your clients to because they just want to come in and help. And then they're off to the next project. Right. Or they're really good sources of information. I have lots of accountants that just phone me up that on a consultant basis and say, hey, here's what's going on. Can you give me some help? No problem. Like, let's talk through this issue. So I think you just need to find someone collaborative to work with. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Now, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, as you kind of found yourself, um, you know, finding deeper interest in, you know, tax law and helping people and, you know, did you foresee, you know, being a partner in a, in a law practice in the area of tax as kind of like, Hey, that was the goal or was that something that developed over time? Well, it's funny because I think in law school, at least when I went to law school, it was kind of the only career path that was presented to you. You you left law school, you articled, you worked at a firm, you made partner, like that was the goal. And if you deviated off of that, you somehow failed. Like there was no other, there was no other option. So I think I kind of like trotted down that road, not necessarily intentionally, but because it was the only road I knew. Um, I didn't have anybody else in my, in my family who was in the area of law. So I didn't know about any other options that were available to me. And I happened to find a firm that fit with my with my personality and my goals and my training goals. And so it just made sense to be partner here. Um, so I think in that way, it's, it's hard. I think the bigger question is what I've ever seen myself podcasting and blogging and <laughs> kind of this alter ego on the Internet, which is maybe not my alter ego anymore. I think it's actually who I am as a person. And I think that question is more I would never have thought this if you would have asked me in my first year of practice. But there were little pieces of myself and just the way that I operate and the way I communicate that I felt like we're being stifled under sort of the traditional system of tax practice. And I think the more successful you get and the more senior you get in a firm, the more independence that you have. And then with independence allows you to kind of develop your own style. And my style is collaborative. And my style is I don't talk over people. I want my clients to understand here's what they're doing. Here's why you're doing it. Here are the consequences of what you're doing. I'm a teacher. I I love to educate. And so I needed a way to bring that in to all aspects of my tax practice. And, and I just felt like I owed it to the community. I think, I think, you know, whereas lawyers were given this great power to advocate, but I think, you know, with great power comes great responsibility um, to give back to your community. And this is the way I think I can support, especially our business community in Canada. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And speaking of you know, the blog and the podcast, so how often do episodes or how often do new blog posts come out? So when I started, I was, you know, young and eager and 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 really hadn't thought it through, um, like, like, like many of us when we start a project. So I was doing a weekly blog. So I wrote 52 blog posts my first year, along with monthly podcasts and my practice and running a law firm and and that was just, that was a lot. I, I finally decided that nobody was putting that pressure on me except for me. And that because it was my blog, I could just choose to do something different. But I had to have like a whole conversation with myself about that. So I pulled it back to a blog once a month. And so I have a blog once a month. I have a podcast episode once a month. And then I also do a monthly newsletter. And the whole purpose of the newsletter is just because I have so much content going out between the blog, the podcast, my social media sites that sometimes I find it helpful to put it all in one place at the end of the month and say, hey, in case you missed it, um, here's all the stuff that came out this month. 
And then I also do a tax chick challenge every month where it's a very short five to 10 minute activity that you can undertake um, to try to get your business in order or your estate planning in order that month. And so that's been a way to kind of bring all of the product together um, for anybody who's interested. Nice. I love it. I love it. Now, where can people find you online if they're looking for those things? Well, I have a very active LinkedIn account, and that might be the best place to, to start. And I do have um, a, a link there in my Linktree account, and, and that will give you the links to my Instagram account, uh, to my website for my firm. It will also um, let you know the latest episodes of the podcast. I have tons of resources, most of which are completely complimentary on there of other really great tax practitioners in Canada that are providing services. So that's probably the best place to start um, if you're looking to find my content. Nice. I love it. I love it. Now, one of the things that I also noticed in your business resource section, like the bookkeeping bootcamp and the, the gross CPA um, and then I also see my friend, Lisa Nicer. Um, how did you even get in contact with all these amazing people, amazing resources? Well, you know, I think LinkedIn is a really powerful tool. And I found when I started actively posting on LinkedIn, so not just creeping, which I think most of us do. I creeped for a long time. I then started posting and then I would actually like look at other people's posts and I'd comment on them. And the amount of friends that I made just by doing that was amazing. And so we kind of just informally call ourselves the tax checks now. And there's there's a lot of us in the U.S. and a lot of us in Canada. And every now and then we all kind of get together online and have a good chat. But they're really wonderful resources to have because they all think, you know, in this sort of collaborative way like I do. I mean, Lisa has some amazing educational products for foundational tax knowledge. And in particular, she has that new product if you're you know, going to be becoming a, a partner in a law firm, thinking about some of the, the financial issues and the tax issues that you have to think about in the US before you become a partner. She has a whole course on that. I wish I would have had that in Canada before I became a partner, right? I mean, and I am a tax lawyer. Um, and then like the, the Grow CPA group and uh, Bookkeeping Bootcamp, I mean, these are some amazing Canadian resources for people who are in Canada that might want some foundational information. All super fun people um, that I'm really glad to have in my network. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I, I will say, yeah, LinkedIn has been a huge, huge um, way of just connecting with some very awesome people and learning about some people who are doing some really cool stuff. And I think just being able to expand that network. So I, I, I totally agree. Well, before we wrap up, one question I always love asking every guest on, I mean, we, we talked about a lot of great things and mentioned several different things. You know, you know, if there were two takeaways that you would want people to walk away with, what are two things that you would either want to remind them of or introduce them to if we haven't already talked about it? I think the first thing would be is to not allow the idea of tax to prevent you from learning about tax that you shouldn't be afraid just by the word. When I hear the word tax, I think, ooh, fun. Um, everyone else hears the word tax and they think, oh gosh, you know. Um, tax is fascinating and it's connected to policy and history and and it's actually a really fun thing. And so if you're, if you're working with someone that's not making it fun, you need to find someone that makes it fun. Um, so I think that would be the first thing that I would, I would suggest. And I think the other thing as a takeaway is that you really never know where your career is gonna take you and to say yes to opportunities because you should never limit yourself based on what you think you're good at or not good at. Um, you know, I've run into math teachers from high school and they find out I'm a tax lawyer and they laugh at me. 
because the, the thought of that is just so completely crazy. Um, I'm much better at math now because I've I've worked at it, but I, it also brings a different perspective to my clients because most of my clients hate math too. So then the way I'm approaching things is very much like how they're approaching it. And so we have that connection. So just because you think you're not good at something doesn't mean you can't pursue it. Awesome. I love it. I love it, Amanda. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest on today's show. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. You just checked out the Law and Finance Show, where we bring you great, insightful interviews that talk about the business and the financial side of managing a law firm. So subscribe to the show and check out more of the great interviews. <laughs>